Well, we come now to God's word and we're coming to Hebrews chapter 6 and this most magnificent verse, we find that God has given us a hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So as we begin, I want to know, do you know how to spot a rip at the beach? You know, a rip, it's a narrow, fast moving channel of water. It starts near the beach, it extends offshore through the line of breaking waves. And uh, a spotting a rip can be, can be difficult, it needs some practice. But what do you do if you're ever caught in a rip? Do you know what to do? Well, they say that if you get caught in a rip, the best thing you can do is stay calm. It's not going to pull you underwater. It's just going to pull you away from the shore. You need to call out for help, wave for help. Uh, You want to float. You don't want to swim back to shore against the rip. It's just going to tie you out and you might drown. Now, what you need to do then is to try and swim out of the rip parallel to the shore along the beach, and then follow the waves back to the shore at an angle. And it's like that with drifting away from God. When you go through suffering or experience a difficult time, it can be like being caught in a rip. It can occur gradually, and you mightn't even realise it's happening until you're a long way from God. And some people might be feeling like that now. It can often occur when we take our relationship with God for granted. We become a bit comfortable, a bit lazy in living out the Christian faith. So what can we do as we experience suffering and difficulties? Well, the Bible shows us we can swim out of that current that threatens to drag us down as we swim and look to Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 with me. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. How can we prevent this drift? How can we avoid slipping away from God? Well, the Bible says by consciously going in the other direction, along parallel to the shore. If you find yourself in that current when you're swimming, you need to swim parallel to shore to get out of it. And Hebrews is saying to us, we won't drift the wrong way if we swim the right way. If we just try and swim against the rip, We tire and we give up. And spiritually, the more we move in the right direction towards Jesus, the stronger we're going to become. The current doesn't stop. Not until the day we die or Jesus returns. But we are more and more able to master it. And so when a Christian believer faces real trials and hardships in your life, I don't know what that black cloud might be. Maybe in this time of COVID-19, there is sickness or unexpected bereavement a redundancy, persecution, isolation, disappointment, loneliness, disease, heartbreak, serious doubts in the Christian life. I've been talking to people who are facing all of these things. And when those black clouds appear, the key response is to keep serving Christ. It doesn't make sense in human terms when you go through those life experiences that drain us so emotionally, they exhaust us psychologically, when we just want to say, I don't have an ounce of spare energy for anyone else but myself at this moment. That's the very moment to keep reading our Bibles, to keep saying our prayers, to pushing out in loving and self-sacrificial service of others. And then we find that the Creator God is no man's debtor. He's, He's more than able to restore us, to replenish us, to refresh us, to sustain us. And I've seen it again and again and again in pastoral ministry as I've tried to persuade the struggling Christian, whether it's doubts or backsliding or a difficult life circumstance, I try to persuade them to keep serving Jesus because it is the wisest pastoral counsel I can give. 
The more we swim towards Jesus, the stronger we get, the more we resist temptation, the more we're able to resist it, the more we serve Christ sacrificially, the more strength God supplies. And But that attitude so countercultural. It's It's so the opposite of what our world is saying to us in what human thinking suggests, which is it's kind of whispering in our ear and your ear, my ear saying, look after yourself or you wouldn't be able to look after anybody else. Well, how can we cultivate this grace in our hearts when everything is contradicting it? You can't you can't take that risk. You can't push out any further for Christ when when you hear that little voice. Well, the end of Hebrews chapter 6 tells us to think on two things, on the reliability of God's word and the security of God's work. Firstly, then, the reliability of God's word. Back to the passage. Chapter 6, verses 13 to 15. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now, Abraham's waiting patiently was not all that passive. He actively did all that God told him to do. And notice it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Well, I'm sure the question in your mind, as it is in mine, as I hear those verses is, well, why on earth, or in heaven for that matter, should God who cannot lie need to swear the oath to prove he's not lying? Why? Well, as verses 17 and 18 make clear, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. You see, God did it for our encouragement. He wants to help us with our reluctance to believe his promise to us. You see, human life teaches us not to trust words. You know, advertising Key example. It's not trustworthy, is it? And and even friends and acquaintances can't always be trusted. I I love the story of a man who appeared at a vet surgery with an animal in this sort of cardboard box. And uh, when the vet asked what was the matter, the man said, well, I bought this Rottweiler puppy from a bloke I met in the pub, but it won't eat any meat and it's, it's looking rather odd. Well, the vet looked in the box and said, well, how much you pay for it? The man said, 50 bucks. And the vet said, well, that's a very expensive guinea pig. (laughs) You know, it's not just a bloke down the pub we can't trust. Even our nearest and dearest can't always keep their words to us. None of us can always and without fail deliver on our promises. And so as human beings, we're right not to trust mere words or at least to be cautious about them. So how can we trust God to keep his word? The God we can't see. Well, God who just gives us his word to go on and on. Well, we trust people because of their character, not so much by what they say as by who they are. You know, the English uh, film star of a bygone age, David Niven, once said of the notoriously unreliable early Hollywood heartthrob, Errol Flynn, you could always rely on Errol. 
He would always let you down. Well, God, he's just the opposite. You can always rely on God because he will never let you down. His nature and his purpose are unchanging. See, look back at the text, would you? Verse 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things, it was was just impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. You see, we are encouraged to trust God because of his character. And we trust God because we need to. I don't know if you noticed that in the text uh, there in verse 18. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us. A Christian believer is someone who has fled. A Christian believer is a fugitive, a, a refugee. We are fleeing from a world without certainty, where nothing can be absolutely relied upon, where nothing lasts. We're fleeing to what is certain, what is eternal. And there's no merit in being a refugee, no achievement to flee for refuge, but you know you need security. And that's one of the hardest things, as we're all distancing and isolating, to stop the spread of this virus, that we're all going through and experiencing at the moment. See, where can we go? Well, the Bible says we can go to our God and we can find real security. And so the reliability of God's word is matched by the security of God's work. Our second and final point today, God's work, the security of God's work. Look with me at the beginning of verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. An anchor for the soul. An anchor goes where we can't go. It goes through that unstable medium, through the water, to secure us to what cannot move. The bedrock. Is there bedrock beneath an ever-changing universe? When time takes everything away from us, even my youth, my joys, all we have, and pays us but with earth and dust. In such a world, is there any hope of permanence? of any lasting values. We'll look again at the text, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Uh, There's this kind of mixing of metaphors here by the author. We'll have to forgive him for that. But this anchor you see, it doesn't go down, it goes up. It goes into what is called the inner sanctuary, which is The very presence of the living God, like a a grappling hook into eternity, which clamps onto God, firm and secure. And those images only make sense in the Lord Jesus Christ. The central message of the whole letter to the Hebrews is just this. Look to Jesus. Consider Jesus. If we are believers, there is a need to persevere in the Christian life, to keep on swimming towards Jesus. He is our safety. And the Apostle Paul wrote, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And how are we going to develop that kind of attitude? How do we truly know that Christ Jesus has taken hold of us? By looking at him, by seeing what he's done for us, by considering Jesus. You might know of Florence Chadwick. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. Now, why anybody would want to swim the English Channel one way, I have no idea, but she did it both ways, and she's the first woman to have done it. She attempted later another long-distance swim from Catalina Island to mainland California, and she gave up 
after 15 hours, just half a mile from shore, which was hidden from her that day by thick fog. Later, she said, if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And two months later, on a clear day, she did just that. If I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. The secret to the Christian life is seeing Jesus. Do you know that if, if you're not yet a Christian, do you know that? Why not read one of the gospel accounts? Why not read through Mark's gospel this week? It'll take you less than an hour to read the whole thing. See if you can catch a glimpse of Jesus. It changed my life, catching just that glimpse of Jesus, and it can change yours too. What a, what a great way to prepare for Easter for all of us. Read a gospel of Jesus. And if you're new here, please do fill in that link above that says Connect Card so I can help you learn more. Please take the time to do that. Because you see, if we would trust God, we must look at Jesus. That's how we see him in a way that enables us to trust him. And if we're believers, let's not kid ourselves that we won't be tempted to just drift away over time. In all this physical distancing and isolation to drift away from God. We here at St. Martin's and St. Peter's, we urge you to read your Bibles, to pray, to be, to be part of that Christian fellowship during the week, week by week. Just as serving Christ and loving others, caring for your neighbours. Not because these are religious rituals or meritorious observances or good deeds or good habits, but so that you may see Jesus and keep your eye on him until you stand face to face before him on that great day. Now, In a moment, we're going to be singing. I want you to use this time, the words of this song, to see Jesus, to fix your anchor in the God of heaven, to rely on his word, to be secure in Jesus. I want to encourage you to stand up to, to get active and to sing these words now in praise of our great God. Let's do that. <laughs> 